Al Jazeera podcast. Premature babies in danger of being killed as Israeli attacks cripple most hospitals in Gaza. The World Health Organization says the biggest, Al Shifa, resembles a cemetery. How can this happen to places protected by international law? And what impact is it having on the Palestinians? I'm Tom McRae, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Well, let's bring in our guests now. In London is Dr. Omar Abdelmanan, co-founder of Gaza Medic. In Ramallah is Bushra Khalidi, policy lead in the occupied Palestinian territory and Israel at Oxfam. And in Cairo is Dr. Mads Gilbert, medical head and professor at the Clinic of Emergency Medicine at University Hospital of North Norway. He's also author of Night in Gaza and has worked with medical teams there. A warm welcome to all three of you. Thank you so much for being uh, with us here on Inside Story. Dr. Omar, if I could uh, begin with you, please. As a paediatric neurologist, as a child specialist, when you see those, immature, uh, those images of the premature babies huddled together with no incubators, no oxygen, can you just explain how dire the situation is for them? Honestly, I saw these videos uh, as I was coming into the studio this afternoon. I received them on my phone from a colleague just before it made the breaking news. This is... I. I, I'm lost for words. I mean, every night, every day, we have been receiving testimonies and messages from Gazan doctors through Gaza Medic Voices, our online social media platform. And every day, it sounds like things are getting worse. And every day, I think, how can things be actually worse? This image of something to the approximation of 15 premature babies all cuddled together, not even cuddled together, laying together, in one cot with no heat, no incubator, no oxygen, uh, no fluids, is absolutely horrific. And this is part of the dehumanization of Palestinians to the point that, to the point that the Israelis have turned these baby, babies into what they look like mice. They look like rats, essentially. And I'm sorry to use that term, but that is what it looks like. They, are, they have treated them like animals and to the point that they are sitting in a cot altogether with no life support, which is essential. I work in uh, a large teaching hospital in London. I've worked in many of the largest neonatal units in London, some of the biggest tertiary units. And every one of these babies should be being looked after in a separate incubator with oxygen, with fluids, with one-to-one -one nursing. And yet mm -hmm. they have all been put in, in and this is not a, this is, you know, this is a direct result of Israeli war crimes and Israeli bombardment on these on these hospitals. Is there any hope that they will survive? At this current rate, many of these babies rely on the incubator. These babies were born prematurely. They need to be in an environment that is like the womb, which is what the incubator provides them with. Keeping them warm in that environment is almost impossible. The aluminium foil is an ingenious way of trying to keep them alive for a short period of time. Many of these babies that will survive will be left with lifelong chronic conditions, mm. chronic conditions of the lung, chronic conditions of the heart, things that are completely irreversible. And in 2023, it should not be acceptable for babies born into this world to be in this situation. But that is the reality of the Israeli war machine, of the continual destruction and targeting of systematically of healthcare workers, healthcare facilities, things that we see now that 
make us think of the Middle Ages. This is medieval-style medicine, resulting from a 100% man-made human catastrophe that is 100% man-made by the Israelis. And frankly, those babies and those children and those killed and wounded, that is blood on their hands and the blood on the hands of every Western leader, every Western leader who has not stood up and had the courage or bravery to stand up and say, what kind of disgusting conditions are we putting these people through? Yeah. How many more children, how many more premature babies do they want to see in these incubators? Do they, how many more children do they want to see dead? Is it 10,000? Is it 20,000? What is the magic number for these politicians? Mr. Yeah. Sunak, Mr. Biden, every one of these leaders should be ashamed of themselves. Mm. We'll get on to the international response in, in just a moment. But Dr. Meds, I know you've spent many years working in hospitals within Gaza, and I'm sure that you've seen some extremely tough circumstances. But could you have ever imagined what we are seeing right now play out? Not in my wildest fantasy. Would I imagine that a state governmental army would uh, so viciously attack the healthcare system, which is supposed to be under regulation of international law? What we see to our eyes here is the most graphic example of medical apartheid, because this would never have been allowed to happen with white, blue-eyed, blonde babies in the Western world. This is so graphically showing us what the occupation and the attack on Gaza is all about. It is about restoring the old colonial rule over people in their own land based on violence, weapons, and a deep racism. These babies can be saved. The medical staff in Shifa is top-notch. I've been working with them for more than 20 years. These incubators, they were made to save lives. I'm an emergency doctor. I know that the lifeline for people in the ICU or in the incubator is oxygen. What do the occupation army do? They damage the oxygen providing system in Shifa. They destroy it, so there will be no oxygen. What do they do? They deny the hospital medical supplies. And, and this is happening as these lame leaders are sitting watching. And I'd like to take up one point. To me, this is not new. The, the magnitude is new, but the Israeli army has attacked healthcare for as long as I have known their actions. I was in Beirut in 1982 during the invasion and the siege and the bombing. They attacked ambulances, they bombed psychiatric hospitals. And also during the Intifada, they attacked the healthcare. And now during the attacks in 2006, 9, 12, and 14, mm. the UN reports are massive on these attacks on healthcare. So the fact is that the Israeli impunity has been total when it comes to being kept accountable for attacking healthcare. So I think they actually believe that it's a legal target. They can do what they want. And to mm. hear President Biden now being concerned about the hospitals, he is the one who let this pit bull loose. And he is the one who is, among many presidents, have shielded the Israeli occupation forces to be held accountable mm. for these very systematic attacks on primary health care, hospital health care, ambulances, staff and supply lines, all yeah. of which is illegal.
Yeah, Bushra, just staying with, with this, I know Oxfam still has many people uh, within Gaza and it must be incredibly difficult to, to watch on as uh, these scenes uh, unfold. And despite the, these pictures coming out and despite, I guess, there being so, so much clear evidence at the human cost to this war, seemingly nothing is being done, no, nothing is, is stopping, the shelling is continuing, isn't it? How hard is that to watch on, knowing that you have colleagues working in Gaza at this point in time? Well, it's not just colleagues. I have colleagues. I have my all my in-laws in Gaza right now and a lot of friends. Um, it is uh, harrowing and heart-wrenching, and it really feels like we're in a living nightmare uh, trying to do something, um, but we feel completely helpless and powerless because Israel has decided to close the borders, and it has closed the borders for the last 16 years on Gaza because it's held Gaza under siege. Uh, and under its military rule for all this entire time, including the West Bank. Um, and so it's, it's, it's extremely um, demotivating to know that we can't go and support our colleagues, because right now our colleagues, uh, though they're supposed to be operating and delivering aid and supporting this response, we're at a halt because there's no fuel and because we're not allowed to enter and because medical teams can't access uh, the Gaza Strip. And so we've got 2.2 million people, half of which are children, completely trapped, unable to leave, unable to go anywhere. And we're starving them um, to death. We're bombing them to death. And we're making sure um, that wherever they came from uh, is now uninhabitable. Uh, we've got 60% of Gaza that has been completely destroyed. Uh, where are these people supposed to live? Where are these people supposed to go back to? Where are they supposed to go to school? Where are they supposed to get health care from? Where are they supposed to get their bread from? Uh, many bakeries have been also bombed. So it's not just the health care system that has completely collapsed. It's every single sector in Gaza that has completely collapsed. Yeah. Um, and, and what is to come next is yeah. really what we need to be worried about. Dr. Mads, I see you're wanting to interject there. What would you like to add? We're watching premature babies dying. I just talked to the Minister of Health in Gaza on the phone in Shifa, and he said, we don't have light. We use the, the mobile phones. We do surgery now in mobile phone light. We cannot get out. We have tons. We have a mountain of garbage. We have 100 killed decomposing bodies in the hospital. The morgue has been warm for many days. They are decomposing and they are shooting at everything moving outside. Listen, all of this misery is man-made, as Dr. Umar said. And the point is, it can be reversed this afternoon. It can be stopped this afternoon. The bombing, the attacks on the hospitals, we could re-establish water, supply lines, medicine, uh, you know, uh, everything the civilians need. If only there is put, on, put pressure on Israel. So I don't understand this world, you know, because when Russia attacked Ukraine, it took half a week with sanctions and embargo and all sorts of political pressure to reduce, you know, the effects of the occupation and then giving weapon to the uh, Ukrainian people fighting occupation, which is another story. But the point, of the, my point is that all of what we see can be stopped today. The bombing can be stopped, the uh, pipelines of water and the electricity and the fuel can be restored, but it's not done. And mm. why? Because these are the Palestinian people and they are not worth the same as the white people in the north. I calculated 
There are 31 Israeli children who were killed, unfortunately. No Israeli child should be killed. So far, there are 6,000 Palestinian children killed. That means for every Israeli child killed, the Israeli army has killed almost 200 Palestinian children, or to be precise, 194. Mm. And that ratio, that number, is yeah. what apartheid describes here. And, and still we're not seeing many uh, world leaders call for a ceasefire, despite those numbers uh, continuing to rise every single day. Dr. Omar, I want to go back to uh, the hospitals uh, there. The WHO has called Al Shifa, basically saying that it has turned into a cemetery. We see decomposing corpses and there's basically no way to preserve or remove them. Mountains of waste, of medical waste, is now piling up as well. How big a problem does all of that pose? I think this is the end game for a hospital that has become a cemetery within a concentration camp, an open-air concentration camp, which is what Gaza is. And when you see a healthcare system collapse, and I have never seen that in my lifetime, and I hope to never see it again, but when you see this happen and you see hospitals decomposing, literally at the seams with bodies, 60,000 people were sheltering at Tawshifa Hospital. We as healthcare professionals in the UK were standing at a vigil on Friday evening outside the residence of Mr. Sunak calling for a ceasefire. In the middle of that vigil, we had a message come through from a doctor, a surgeon inside Al Shifa Hospital that was sent to the mobile phone of Mr. Rishi Sunak through our sources. And it said, it begged the world for intervention. It said, we are surrounded, we are besieged. There are tanks outside shooting at us. We cannot get out. Please ask your government to provide us with a humanitarian aid corridor for medical staff and injured patients. And what did the West do? What did Mr. Sunak do? They turned a blind eye like they have done at every other point. The mm. next stage after these direct deaths is essentially excess mortality. These decomposing bodies uh, will enter the water system. That will mean infections will spread, waterborne infections. I am astounded that cholera cases are not already being reported in Gaza. We saw this in Haiti. We saw this in natural, natural Re, uh, disasters. This yes. is from Mother Nature. This is a man-made disaster of the same level, of the same uh, criticality that, that, that we saw in Haiti. What I want to add to Dr. Mads uh, Gilbert's comment is Israel, and this is also uh, adding to what Dr. Bushra uh, said, is these, um, the Israelis for 17 years have uh, blockaded Gaza from air, land and sea. They controlled everything, and they still control everything. If they could control the oxygen going into Gaza, they would. Mm. And the irony is, they are now. They are controlling the oxygen reaching the lungs of these premature babies. They are literally cutting off the oxygen supply. And if you hear an urgency in my voice and you hear me upset and emotional, it is because as a doctor, as a doctor who looks after sick children and is an advocate for the safeguarding and the well-being of children around the world, I cannot believe the monstrosity of allowing children to be in these situations and in this, in this. What have these children done to deserve this? What have their parents done? What is the next step? I mean, I'm just astounded when I look at these images. It is absolutely heartbreaking. Mm. And like I said, it is just the end game for a collapsing healthcare system that will take decades to rebuild. Yeah. Bushra, can you just explain to us how compelling is the evidence that Israel is carrying out war crimes, given all of this, by targeting, by deliberately targeting, it seems, uh, targeting hospitals? 
International law is very clear, and Israel's uh, duties and obligations are extremely clear. They are the main occupier, therefore they have a duty and an obligation, and there's a nuance between that. Um, it's an added responsibility on um, the Israeli government to protect civilian population. When we say protect civilian population, it's ensuring that it has access to basic services and necessities, uh, which they don't. Uh, we By closing the borders, by shutting off water, by shutting off electricity, by, sh by not allowing fuel into the strip, and by cutting off communication lines, by you know, targeting hospitals, targeting bakeries, targeting necessary civilian infrastructure. Um, these are serious um, uh, breaches of, uh, of international law and international humanitarian law more specifically. And these, yes, indeed, may amount to war crimes. Um, uh, but again, I do not make that legal determination. I point to the law and remind of the parties of their uh, clear duties and obligation. And Israel has, has decided to collectively punish 2.2 million civilian people, and collective punishment is a war crime. And an orthopaedic surgeon who's working in Gaza has said that patients with injuries up to the moderate level are having surgery without anaesthesia because of a lack of medical supplies, basically having to choose uh, how, who gets anaesthesia and who doesn't. He said that the pain experienced by the patients during the surgical interventions without anaesthesia is beyond what humanity on this earth can endure. Can you just help explain to us, describe to us how difficult this is, not only just for the patients, but also for the doctors and nurses that are carrying out these surgeries at the same time? Well, the whole situation is, is uh, unbearable for any one of us, inside or outside. And I'd like to correct this uh, image that, that Palestinian doctors are heartless and do major surgery without anesthesia. They don't. But there is a lack of local anesthetics, and that's right. So some of the minor procedures may be painful, more painful than needed. I just talked to a, a colleague in one of the hospitals in the south yesterday, and we discussed how they could apply, for example, simple ketamine anesthesia for the most painful procedures. But I underline they do not do like laparotomies or cesarean sections or major surgery without proper general anesthesia. They are human doctors. But I'd like to make a comment on this collapse of the healthcare system that we have been discussing for four weeks now, discussing yes. every day. What is actually collapsing is the morality of the Western governments, the morality of the Western world, the morality of the Israeli army. That's the most important collapse, because everything we thought we had gained with establishing humanity and human rules between us has been completely destroyed by Israel these four weeks. The trust between the global north and the global south has been completely smashed. I'm in Africa now. I talk to my Arab friends and my African friends. They have lost all trust in the West and in the US. And these small babies, these 38 prematures that are dying now for lack of oxygen and warmth, electricity, oxygen. We, the Norwegian Aid Committee, we installed these oxygen concentration machines in Shifa and many other hospitals 15 years ago to make them independent because of the Israeli siege. What did the Israeli army do? They turn off the light and they shoot to damage the oxygen machines. Oxygen is life. And this is another example of the sadism in the way they attack the, the healthcare system. And when the Israeli spokesperson the other night said, oh, we will go in and save these 38 premature babies, would you let somebody who had killed 6,000 of your of your children uh, take care of the neonates? 
Would you let somebody who's bombing hospitals take care of your patients? I mean, this collapse of morality and an application of international law is very, very serious because it's affecting all of us. Omar, I know that you've been discussing the situation with, with medical professionals in Gaza. I mean, these medics also have to think of their own safety and their family's safety as well. But as we've seen, so many people are determined to stay, to continue working, to trying to save those that they can. Why is that when their own lives are clearly in danger here? Because they chose this profession and they took a Hippocratic oath, which was do no harm and do the best you can for your patients. And the doctors inside Gaza are the heroes and superheroes. And they are the ones who have decided that for them, the sanctity of the life of their patients comes first and foremost. The captain doesn't leave the ship until the ship sinks. That is the, that is the way they think about it. That is the way they operate. And that is the way many doctors with any form of humanity would operate. Uh, I don't know if I was in that situation, how I would react, frankly, but what they are doing is commendable. And, and that you know they have said time and time again, we would rather be bombed with our patients and leave them to die in the darkness, in fear and in terror. I want to add to what Dr. Mads said uh, regarding that situation with uh, the continual bombardment and, 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 the, and you know, the lack of humanity. The Israeli Defense Force and the Israeli government started to turn off communications to perform atrocities in the dark from very early on. And we saw a hospital being bombed, we saw hospitals being threatened, we saw the images live on Al Jazeera as if we were waiting to watch a hospital being bombed on live TV. That is the, that is the level of you know, inhumanity we have reached in this world where we have to watch it on TV and no one can intervene from the Western world. Mm. The reality is, that we are now bearing witness to these war crimes, frankly, war crimes, in any textbook of humanitarian law. I'm not a human rights lawyer, but, you know, for me, I don't know what else would amount to war crimes. And, and we're watching this now being done with the audacity. They're not even, they don't even care about cutting the communications anymore. They've, they've seen they can do it, and the world continues to allow them to do it. They have reached a level of audacity, mm. a level of arrogance that is beyond anything anything in the last 50 years. I cannot recall a conflict where 5,000 children have been wiped out in less than six weeks since World War II. I cannot recall anything to that extent. And they are doing it with impunity. They are doing it with arrogance. And the Western world is just as complicit as every yes. one of those government officials in Israel. Dr. Mitz, we've only got about a minute or so left. I know you said before that this could all be stopped immediately uh, by the Israelis. You just stop the bombing. What chance do you think that there is now that it will just stop, that it has gone too far? I hope that there is sufficient political pressure to stop this nightmare for all of us, and most of all for the people of Gaza. Right now, I just talked to the Minister of Health, Dr. Yusuf Abrish in, in, in Shifa Hospital, he said they have um, three died of the premature 38. Two of them are in critical dying mm -hmm. situation now. In addition, they have 700 patients in Shifa. They have 250 staff, and they still have 2,500 internally displaced persons. All of these people are in life danger now. The only thing we can demand now is an immediate stop and to turn on light, food, water, and um, fuel supplies to Gaza. And I urge every single governmental boss, prime minister, president, 
in Europe. And also, my last hope is that Biden now actually says, now we have reached the red line. If we don't do that, what is going to be the next? Are they going to kill everyone? Are, are we going to see a new standard of racism that is being applauded by these deplorable leaders in the West who don't have the balls to stand up to Israel and the United States? Dr. Meds, Bushra and uh, Dr. Omar, we really do appreciate uh, all of your time, all of your insight in, uh, in what is just a harrowing, heartbreaking uh, story. Thank you so much for joining us uh, here on Inside Story. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Cara Legg, Fongi Nguyen and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Alexander Tegreen. The programme was edited by Vinish Billy Love, Zaina Butter and Joda Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you very much for listening. Tune in on Wednesday for our next edition. This week on The Take, protesters in the U.S. delayed shipments of military equipment that they believed to be headed to Israel. So how and why did they do it? That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.